Welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Good morning. Welcome. Welcome back after the holiday break, Christmas and New Year's, and we feel like we're getting back into the rhythms, our regular rhythms of life. So it's so nice to have you here this morning, um, braving the sidewalks. Please uh, exit carefully. I hope, (laughs) obviously, you're all here and seated, so you've made it in just fine. Um, As we begin our gatherings, we like to start with a call to worship, really just a transition from where we've been and what we're holding into this time of worship. So um, I have a call to worship from the Center for Action and Contemplation, and I'll just invite you, I'll invite you to stand today to receive this. Breathe with us. In a world of fault lines and fractures, we stand in a place where opposites come together, awaiting the birth of what is to come. If you are doubting, welcome. If you are healing, welcome. If you are angry at injustice, welcome. We await a new genesis, one more beginning in a series of starts, trailing backwards in time to the very first day. If you are afraid, welcome. If you are joyful, welcome. If you are longing to belong, welcome. God's generous rhythm of life, death, resurrection, moving in and through all things, the very breath and source of the cosmos itself. Our paths converge and continue, each one of us a catalyst for loving action. We, a community of saints, Awaken, breathe with us. We got places to go, things to talk about. That's great, that's great. I suppose more energy in the room is better than less energy in the room, so that's all right. Um, couple things we want to let you know about in the life of the church Are there any Packers fans in the room? Wow. That was awesome. Um, Looking upwards, there are a number of things happening we want you to know about. The first of which is, guys, there's a whole contingent of Northwest Metro people who have been finding their way to Awaken. Evidently, like what we're doing is just really, really selling out there. People love it. If you're from the Northwest Metro, will you, are you in the room? We you raise your hand? A couple people? Yeah. So um, there, uh, we, we haven't had a life group up there or a group of folks from up there, but they're just, they keep coming. So next week, if you're in that, you can self-select. Uh, there is an opportunity for you to gather and get to know some of the other folks uh, who are like-minded and like-geographic. Uh, January 15th, after the 10.30 gathering, there will be lunch provided for that, so if you could sign up 
Kathy would appreciate that. You guys can get to know each other and see what happens. We'll see where it goes from there. There is an artist book study that is starting on January the 12th. Do I have that date right? Okay. Um, the Hurting Kind, it's the former poet laureate Ada Limon. That's what we decided you pronounce it as. Uh, so that's the book. That's uh, Mel's leading that. So if you want to read that book together, feel free to join that. There is a 40 Orchard study coming on January the 21st. So we'll do this four times this year. We've already done it once. This is number two. Uh, this is a, like a deep dive. So it's a Saturday afternoon from 1 to 8. We'll study together from 1 to 5. Uh, take a break and then we'll have dinner. And it's really kind of like a, a, a soaking. Um, it's Socratic in method. So we'll kind of see what's in the room. Uh, our friends at 40 Orchards lead this, and then we'll pick a passage to study together, and we'll just follow the Spirit where it goes. Um, it's really beautiful. If you've never studied this way, I'd invite you to, uh, to join us. Uh, if you studied the first time, if you could hold off on registering so that folks who haven't had a chance to, st to study yet could sign up, and then after a couple weeks, if there are spots available, jump in. So that's on the 21st uh, at a house in St. Paul. Um, there is a concert happening this Friday night. Uh, it is a benefit for a ministry called Walking with a Purpose. I think I mentioned this last week. Walking with a Purpose, um, Tuesdays, they head out into St. Paul and find uh, folks who are unhoused among us and invite them to get the things they might need. So there's two buses that are just full, stockpiled, full of supplies. So if you want to come, that, uh, it's a silent auction and benefit for that. Um, Angie Gisselson and Billy Johnson are going to be playing for that. Um, Angie and I go way back. She was Their family worshipped at Faith Covenant when I first came here in 2000. Is that 22 years ago? Holy buckets! That's a long time! So, um, wonderful. They're, they're great. They'll be playing, and um, all the proceeds go to that. If you want to donate things, supplies for that, for the month of January, it's kind of our missional highlight. So there's a box in the back, and there's a list of things on uh, in the Awaken Weekly that you can donate that's helpful for those that ministry. Okay? And um, uh, last but not least, well, two things. Uh, one, um, oh, I forgot, if you're new, I forgot if you're new. Welcome, if you're new. We're really glad you're here. We'd love to know that you're here. There are places in the seat pockets. There's little cards. You can fill those out. You can do it online as well. Those or any tithes or offerings can go in the black boxes unless you do it digitally. And friends, update. Some of you know December is a huge giving for nonprofits. We depend on uh, December for like, I don't know the number, like 35 or 40% of our budget. We passed a budget that, that needed $110,000 to sort of create our financial picture for the year, which was a, a, an intentional or a known, um, like, projected loss over the year of $50,000. Do you have any idea how much, just, if we budgeted 110 and we had a, a projected loss of 50000 how much do you think came in in December? $160,000, you guys! Unbelievable! Like, wow! Holy buckets! Uh, I mean, seriously, I say this all the time. The most generous group of people I've ever come in contact with is this church. Um, I'm such, it's such an honor to like, be a pastor here. That I have colleagues. This is not their reality. They, they have far less hair than I do. And I have a lot of hair because of you guys. Thank you. So thank you. Uh, so great. So that's great. And then last but not least, February the 10th. Friday, February the 10th. We are hosting the first ever Awaken Grown-Up Prom. <laughs> you guys, 
What are you going to do in February when it's like freezing cold? There's nothing to look forward to. Who looks forward to Valentine's Day? Not very many people. Christmas is over. Spring is a long ways away. We're having a dance party, y'all. It's going to be so great. This is high class. Like it is semi-formal. Gentlemen, if you identify as male in the room, a tie will be required. We will have some available for you if you do not bring one. Ladies, you tend to do fine on this, so we'll just trust that you're going to be okay. Uh, we have a block of rooms at the Sheraton. I'm just kidding. We don't. I'm just joking. <laughs> it's going to be hot downstairs because we are going to be dancing the night away. There will be snacks and eats available. There will be drinks, unleaded and leaded. Uh, plan your evenings well. You do not need a date for this party. No dates required. You can just come and dance the night away. Oh, my gosh. February 10th. What? Oh, yeah, the theme. The theme is shimmer and shine. Real classy, you know. So, like, if you had a bad prom experience, you can redeem that baby. This is a church business, okay? If you've never been to prom before, get ready to live. It's going to be great. All right. I have a sermon to preach. Let's get to it. Um, I have a friend whose name I shall not who shall remain nameless, my roommate in college. Um, and this person was a wild card. They were uh, super sarcastic, very witty, like cutting at times. Uh, they were sort of a party animal. There is a story about this gentleman and a bunch of people after my wedding uh, having, had, having celebrated a little too hard, uh, like leaning up against a coffee maker at an essay and just like coffee, like filling the floor at the essay. It, you, right, you, you know this person? You have them in your mind, right, from college? Recently, uh, their father passed away, and I tuned into the, the service, the memorial service, and uh, he gave the eulogy. And I was absolutely astonished. I, was, I literally said to myself, how did this happen? Like, that is not the same person that I knew in college. Like 20 years of life and transformation and growth and healing and maturation. And it was just like, wow, how did that, how did that happen? Um, for the first few hundred years of church history, the, the followers of Jesus uh, wrestled with who was Jesus. Right? He was both God and human. Both divine and like flesh and blood. You and me. And so they wrestled with this for uh, a long time. Uh, there's a guy named Constantine in 312, the emperor of Rome, who converted to Christianity, makes the entire empire of, of Rome Christian, and calls together an ecumenical council of the church fathers. The mothers weren't included. They should have been, but they weren't. Probably would have gotten a lot more done. But uh, they gathered in 325 in a town called Nicaea. And they produced what we know as the Nicene Creed. This is a portion of it. Listen to what they're wrestling with. If you know it, say it with me. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made. You can hear him trying to wrestle with, like, what do we do with this guy? How do we put that together? How does that actually happen? What does that mean? 
I say all that to say we have entered the season of Epiphany. Uh, January 6th is also known as Three Kings Day or Magic, uh, the, the Magic Kings. Uh, they celebrate this in other parts of the world. In Spain, we have a Spanish exchange student. You get more gifts on Three Kings Day than you do on Christmas, evidently. So if you ever miss Christmas, just go to Spain before the 6th. It'll be, all, it'll be fun and games. Uh, so they celebrate Epiphany, which on Sunday, closest to Epiphany, January 6th, is the celebration of Jesus' baptism. Um, we are going to walk with Mark in his gospel because Mark's gospel begins with the baptism of Jesus. And we're going to ask the question, or the series is called The Transformation of Jesus. I want to explore Jesus the human. Not because I don't think Jesus was God, I do, and that's important. But I want to explore the humanity of Jesus because I, wanna ex- I want us to ask, like, how does transformation take place? What happens when we change, when we grow, when we become? And what happened in Jesus' life, in these stories between Mark 1 and Mark 9, between the baptism and transfiguration of Jesus, where then he turns his attention to Calvary and Jerusalem and the cross, what are the stories, who are the people, what are the habits, what are the things we find Jesus doing and seeing, and, and how does he become as a human? So that's what we're doing in this series. And as I mentioned, we'll start with the, the baptism of Jesus in Mark chapter 1. Charlie, if you would, uh, is going to read the passage for us this morning. So if you are able, I invite you to stand for the reading of the word, and then we'll jump in. Reading from Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 13. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. At once, the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. Pray with me. God, this morning we gather as your church, and we do so with, I do so with the hope and the expectation that you might want to do or say or be something to us and for us and with us. So Holy Spirit, um, move about this space in this room. Uh, speak so that we might hear. I pray in the strong name of Christ and by the power of the Spirit. And the church said together, Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Transformation is not a given. To change and grow and become takes a choice. It takes intention. Entropy is like what's happening in the world. 
right? Everything's falling apart. Everything's breaking down. It's, that's the path of least resistance. So to become, to transform, to change, to grow, it actually takes energy. It takes nutrition. It takes nourishment. It takes volition and will. Baptism, um, maybe more than any other in the tr Christian tradition, I would argue maybe even more than Eucharist, is a physical enactment of a transformative reality, right? Um, we relate to this moment uh, before and after. Like, we go down before, we go down into the water, we, we connect with, we identify with, we're siblings of, sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. Paul talks about this in the New Testament. And after, we come up out of the water identifying with being a sibling of Christ and a son or daughter of the divine. It is a, 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 a doorway through which we can't return. Um, Paul says we're buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. If you've ever been here, when I do baptisms, that's what I say. We're buried with Christ in baptism, under the water, raised to walk in newness of life. I want to look at the baptism of Jesus as the first of many moments of transformation in Jesus' life. Of course, we don't get, you know, the first 33 years or so, first 30 years, but we do get this portion, and we get Mark's version of it. So we're going to look at Mark 1-9 over the next seven weeks, and I want to look at this first moment of the baptism of Jesus as a transformative moment, and I want to do it by exploring thresholds, consent, and design patterns. Consent Maybe an interesting word to choose, talking about the baptism of Jesus, but stick with me. I think it'll, I think it'll hold. So, um, thresholds. Uh, I like to tell stories. Some of you may know this. And every now and again, I'll tell a story, and I'll get home, and Laura, my wife, will be like, that is not how that happened. <laughs> and I'll say, I, you know, it doesn't really matter that it may not have happened exactly that way. It's the point that I'm trying to make, right? You know, storytellers, we have a little freedom as we, you know, make our points, don't we? <laughs> My wife doesn't think so. So she's like, you can't do that. You got to get the details right. So on this one, I got the details, friends. Um, I was 22, Laura was 21, and we were married. We were married young. I wouldn't recommend that for everybody, but it seemed to work for us. And I had this, I grew up, I was freshly minted out of Colorado Christian University, you know, uh, grew up in a very conservative, evangelical, patriarchal uh, Christianity, and I had in my mind this notion that, like, my role here was to carry my wife across the threshold to our honeymoon suite. G-rated, okay, everybody, it'll be fine, just stick with me. So I remember doing that, and I was like, I think I banged your head against the door frame. So I, I was going to tell this story, and I was like, I should double-check on that one. And I, I texted Laura, and I was like, do you remember me, like, carrying you into the Castle Marn and, and banging, like, your head on the door? And she's like, yes, you carried me. No, you did not bang anything, uh, my, my head or my arms or my legs or anything, on the door frame. But I did carry my wife across the threshold, which is a moment of before and after, right? It's a space that exists over here, and then once you sort of cross over, something new, some new reality exists. Thresholds, uh, by the dictionary, are, it's a gate or a door, uh, the place or point of entering or beginning. So thresholds are places that exist between two realities, two worlds. And you, 
cross them every day, actually. Uh, whether you move from a new town to a new place, that's a threshold. It's a, it's a before and after. If you get a new job, right, before and after. You crossed a threshold today when you walked into this room. You could cross a, th a threshold when you choose to relate differently to a person in your life. Or if you become a parent. Or you graduate from school, right? I want to suggest that we cross over thresholds every day of our lives. And that a vibrant spirituality is one that recognizes that these things exist in our lives and is intentional about the way in which you cross over them. So when we built this building, the way we built it, we got it, and we, you know, this is, uh, we didn't build it, but we moved into it. And um, we met in a comedy club, uh, the joke joint. So, you know, there's a certain vibe about that. And then we're moving here, which is like super beautiful and liturgical and formal. We're like, how do you get that church, those group of people who exist as that, into this place? So actually, we, we made like a, a progression of entries into this room. If you never noticed, if you walk in the front doors, you're outside the building, and then you're in what's called the narthex, also known as the lobby. But before you enter the sanctuary, which for a lot of people in our context who are coming from like places of... Uh, you know, difficulty with their spiritual or religious upbringing, like to just be whammo right into this really formative, formal Catholic space, we created a, like a transition space. We call it the gallery. We did it with intention. And I want to encourage you to, to think about your own life and the reality that you cross over thresholds every day of your life. And you can do so with no intention at all, where you just wander in and nothing changes. And... You can do that move right there with great intention every single time you do it. It's also known as pilgrimage. I want to invite you to consider that, to remember that, but I also want to remind you that God is in the business of inviting people to cross over, to move from one space to another. What is the divine if not a constant invitation to come this way? Move from there to here. I once was blind and now I can see. I once was dead and now I'm alive, right? Uh, what is God doing if not always inviting you and I to move towards God? To cross over from one place to another. And God, in God's wisdom and, and, and humor and love, says to you, you can partner with me. You get to, you get to be in on this. So you can think about your own life as a co-creator with the divine, a tender, a, a, a safeguarder of spaces for people to cross over. Is there an employee at your work that you supervise that you'd love to see grow and change and become more? Because you see it in them. You can be a co-creator, a steward of that, that space with the divine. Is there a, a person living in your home, a child that you'd love to see move and grow? You can do that. You've been invited to do that. So say yes to it. Be intentional about it. Jesus' first transformative experience is crossing over a threshold. John is standing out in the wilderness saying, come out here, be baptized, and cross over. Jesus is now in the same business, and you're invited to partner, to be a part of that. So, Number one, know that there are opportunities for you to cross over, 
to, to move across a threshold from one space to another. And you're being invited by the divine to do that all the time. Do you have eyes to see it, ears to hear it? And then we get to be, we get to do it too. So don't miss out on it. Um, a couple of questions related to that. Like, what kind of person do you need to become to say yes to the invitations of God to cross over, to move from one space to another? What kind of heart do you need to tend in order to hear that voice? What kind of a person do you need to become to co-create, to be stewards of, even defenders of spaces where someone can cross over? A couple of observations about that work. Um, one, you may never see the fruit of that labor. When you invest time and energy and you invite people or a person or a group of people to cross over from one space. I'm thinking of like the civil rights, right? These are folks who gave their lives to inviting a whole nation to move from one way of thinking to another. And many of them never saw the fruit of that labor. Generations had gone by before any of the fruit even showed up on a tree. And it's still showing up. Amen? Praise be. And we hope more does. But that's a long Obedience in the same direction, Eugene Peterson says. And then that, that kind of work requires a tremendous amount of trust and faith. That you trust and believe that there is a God at work in the universe, that we're not alone. And that God is moving us in a direction, and that direction is love and healing and transformation. So first, thresholds. I want to invite you to consider. Maybe today, maybe today is no ordinary day for you. Maybe today is a day where you look at before and after, but that's possible. Do we anticipate that? And what would it mean for you to become the kind of person that cultivates that space, who, who, cre who co-creates it with God? I don't know if you guys remember Zachariah's song from the Advent series when I, I, had, I prayed a blessing over you. I don't know if you remember what I began with, but it, it sounded something like this, exactly like this. <laughs> And you, my sons and daughters, will be called an outpost of God's kingdom by the spirit living, spirit living in you. You will prepare the way. You will hold open doors for the weary and those making their way home so that they will remember from where it is they've come. That's my prayer, that you would become these kinds of people. Thresholds, consent, may seem like a bizarre word to talk about with Jesus' baptism, but stick with me. Why does Jesus need to be baptized? Does anybody ever think that when they read this passage? They're like, okay, John, right? He's out outside the city. He's down the, down the valley by Jericho and the River Jordan, and he's inviting people to come out of the city, to come to this river and be baptized. Why? For repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Why does Jesus need to be baptized? You and I, when we're baptized, we're baptized into Christ, and we come up and, right, we're buried with him in, in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. Why does Jesus need to be baptized? In fact, John's response to Jesus is, what are you doing? I should be baptized by you. And Jesus is like, just do it, man. I want to wonder something for just a moment. This passage is always kind of befuddled. And there's lots of people who think, like, what is going on here? You know, like Jewish proselyte baptism, you know, being baptized into something new. What's, what's John up to out there? I don't know, but here's the thought. What if Jesus' baptism is Jesus' consent? 
Have you ever taken responsibility for something you didn't do? What if this moment of Jesus' baptism is not about Jesus' need for something, but Jesus' consent? And in his baptism, he comes up out of the water and says, I'm with you. What does Paul say in Philippians chapter 2? Jesus, who does not consider equality with God something to be grasped and held onto, but he lays it down, humbles himself, and becomes a servant. What if Jesus' baptism is Jesus' consent to be identified with you and with me? To assume responsibility for a mess, a world, a reality that he did not create, but that he fully identifies himself with. Why would you ever assume responsibility for something you didn't do? I never did that to my brothers, right? When they did it, I was like, they did it. Who did made this mess? Not me. <laughs> we have a fourth child in our house. Their name is not me. They do everything. <laughs> right? That's what we do. Not me. I didn't do it. They did it. He did it. She did it. What does Jesus say? We did it. Me. Us. We. And his baptism is his consent Not because he deserved it, not because he earned that, not because he, right? No, because he said yes to you and to me. Now, there are some people who assume responsibility for things they didn't do, and it's really unhealthy, and it's codependent, and it's toxic, and it's dangerous. That's not this moment. This is pure love. Someone saying, I'm with you. Not because I'm actually with you. Not because my life, it's it's lived on another plane, man. It's like another level. But Jesus descends. That's the path of the cross. That's the path of the kingdom. That's what we find Jesus doing. And I would just wonder if his baptism is not his consent to say I'm with them. Thresholds, consent, and design patterns. I'll close with this. When you read the Bible long enough and you have eyes to see and you, like you, you see, you begin to develop a capacity to see like rivers or streams or threads, design patterns that the authors keep coming back to. We talked about it with water in that previous series a couple months ago, right? Water's flowing from Eden to heal and transform the world. We see it in springs and wells and rivers all over the Bible. Design pattern. This is one of the most prominent design patterns in scripture, arguably. God rescuing, redeeming, and liberating creation and humanity through the water. Think about creation itself. It, it, it's, it, it happens through the waters of chaos in Genesis 1. Noah. Does anybody notice there was a, a rainbow on our screen? Could you guys see that from over here? Yeah. I was sitting over here and I was like, I'm going to talk about Noah today. How funny is that? Noah! is saved, his family saved through the waters of the flood for a new beginning on the other side. Moses leads the people of Israel through the waters of the Red Sea to redeem them and liberate them into new, a new reality called the promised land. Joshua, years later, right? They're coming, you guys remember Israel, long and narrow, Jerusalem's up here, Jericho's down here. They're coming from this way, the east, and they cross over the River Jordan and the water stops, and the people cross over. Did you know that the word Hebrew in Hebrew means to cross over? So like the people of God, the Hebrew people, in the, their language, it literally means those who cross over. <laughs> 
So they cross over from one side of the River Jordan to the other to become a certain kind of people in the land. Where is John in Mark chapter 1 when he's inviting the people to come down off the mountain and down into the river to be baptized? Does anybody get that? He's right back where they were. He's like at the same geographic location that the Israelites would have crossed over the River Jordan the first time, generations before, where they were committing themselves and their families and their families' families to being a blessing to the nations, to being hope and healing, to being a, a group of people who love their neighbor as themselves and who were about justice and righteousness. And then into the promised land with that as the hope and goal, right? And it went really, really well. Now, if you read the prophets, you know that it didn't go well. And the prophets are constantly reminding them, this is where you've come from. This is who you are. This is what God invited you to be. So what is John doing? He's inviting them to go back to the location that they would have that their 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 great great grandmothers and fathers would have stood generations before and recommit themselves to a way of life going forward. It's as if he's asking them to remember so that they can go forward, which is a a, a word uh, called sankofa. If you've ever heard that, we go back so that we so we can remember so that we can go forward. I want to invite you to think about. Are there any places in the world, like any places that you've been where you experienced the divine presence? Where you experienced God's presence? And would you ever consider, or can I invite you to think about, like returning to that place at some point in your future as part of your spiritual life? So that you can remember what happened there. Because I don't know about you, but I forget things very quickly. And when we go to a place, it like your bodies remember, your soul remembers in a way that your mind sometimes can't. So would you go back to places where you've experienced God's presence? You know, I'm gonna, I want to go back to that place. What's happened between then and now? And then so that you can recommit yourself to a way of being going forward. We gather every Sunday in this place, and we do so with the hope and with the trust, the belief that God wants to do something. And so I trust this morning that there's something for you. Maybe it's a, an invitation to cross over a threshold into a new way of being, a new space, a new reality, a new way of relating. Maybe it's a reminder that you get, it, you get to participate in this. Your life can be about that. To be co-creators. Maybe it's a reminder of the lavish love of God. That's what God is like. Assumes responsibility for something they didn't do out of love for hope and healing. And maybe an invitation to remember a place that God did something, where God's presence was real to you, where God met you. So in this series going forward, um, every week at Awaken, we take a moment of silence after the teaching because we assume that I'm not the only one who has something to say. Uh, in this series, we're going to add a little bit of time to that. So today, I'm just going to give you two minutes. And we're going to try to create a space uh, of quiet, of stillness. Trevor's just going to play something like right underneath Audible to just hold that space for us. And I want to invite you to listen. Um, winter is a time where we slow down. Like, even the music this morning felt like, yeah, it's, 
It's a little space, you know. We don't need four on the floor, baby. The spirit is not always in the kick drum. So, let's take some time and move into that. Um, Pray with me. God, as we move into this space of being still and quiet and listening, I trust that your spirit is here, working, and that you, um, that you love us. So shower us with your love. Pour out your love. Surround us with it now, I pray. As we close this morning, a couple of invitations to you. Um, Mel and Caleb are going to lead us in song, so you're welcome to join in that. There is Eucharist available on my right and left. Uh, There's red wine and white grape juice. So we invite you to make your way down the side aisles and take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, and know that the body of Christ is broken for you and the blood of Christ is shed for you. Um, Jenna and I are going to be down here in the front. And um, I don't know if you've ever done anything like this before, but uh, I've done this a few times with colleagues and friends where we remember our baptism. Um, And so we have some water, and we'd invite you, if you want, to remember that moment. Um, And so you'll just come and put your hands over the bowl and we'll pour some water on your hands as a a way to put your body into that space of remembering that moment. Um, And maybe if you've never been baptized, an invitation. Um, We're planning baptisms on Easter morning this year. So uh, I'd love to have a whole bunch of people to baptize on Easter morning. That would be sure fun. So um, if you haven't been baptized, consider that. Um, So invite you to respond as you see fit. To the church gathered in St. Paul, <clears throat> I was thinking about, I, didn't, I don't know why I didn't think about this first hour, but um, I wonder what that was like for some of you who were baptized as babies. Um, I would imagine that might be really special to claim that, like to, take, to walk up here um, and say yes to that again. So, bless you. Um, This is a nice break over the holidays. We love you guys, and it was really good to be away, and it's so good to be back. Yeah? Um, Go with this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the church said together. Amen. Grace and peace, friends. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.